Welcome to Politics Done Right. I am your host, Egberto Willis. This is a progressive program that will take the mystery out of politics. This is the program that will encourage you to make sure government becomes we the people. Whether you are liberal, progressive, conservative, or otherwise, you get to hear your point of view. We are an independent media outlet that, unlike mainstream media beholden to corporations, we only owe allegiance to you. Remember, you can also send me a tweet at E-G-B-E-R-T-O-W-I-L-L-I-E-S. That is at Egberto Willis. Let us engage. It is Politics Done Right. Welcome to Politics on Right on KPFT. My name is Egberto Willis, your host. Thank you so kindly for being here with us today. Today we have a great show for you. We have Amelia Hartley Woodruff, who is in, uh, she lives in, she's from Georgia, still resident of Georgia, lives in Texas, and she shows how uh, voter suppression works as she tried to send in her absentee ballot into Georgia. We have Selena Winchester, who is a political uh, operative in Pennsylvania. She talks about 50, uh, 50, at least 50 males being rejected for various reasons every day in Pennsylvania. We also have Aaron Hurt. Aaron Hurt is a young man who grew up a Republican his entire life, but he could take it no more. So he decided that now is the time for him to become an independent, and he is voting the other way this year. And then lastly, we have Bernard Sampson, a local activist here in Houston, a member of the, I think it's the Communist Party, uh, but he is here with us to talk about why he is going to vote the way he's going to vote and why he is going to work with organizations, progressive organizations, etc., to make sure that we keep and maintain a better America. Folks, you know we are in fun drive mode, and I need your support. I need you to call 713-526-5738. Again, that number is 713-526-5738. We need you to uh, become a member if you're not. We need you to provide whatever contributions you can, if you will. Remember, there's only one station like this in North, uh, in Northeast, uh, North, in rather, in East Texas, all the way up to Northeast Texas, the only community-based station that gives you the alternative point of view based on every other kind of radio station you have around. So please give us a call at 713-526-5738 or go to kpft.org and hit that donate button. Let them know that you're donating in, in, uh, as a part of listening to Politics Done Right. As a part of listening to Politics Done Right. Again, that number is 713-526-5738. Folks, we know that you like our programming. So please be a part of making sure we can stay on air. We need to have a robust fun drive given what we are going through right now. And this is the station that you know provide you with unbiased information, information that you're not going to get from several of the other news outlets over here. We, in, in the case of my show, you definitely get a progressive perspective that ignores absolutely no one. So please give us a, a call at 713-526-5738 
or go to kpft.org and provide your contributions, your membership, or uh, however you can be of assistance to a radio station like KPFT. We are here to serve, and that's what we intend to continue doing for the community. But in order to do that, we do need your support. I'm here with Amelia Hartley. She is a voter in Georgia, correct? I'm registered in Georgia. I'm currently living in Texas, in Dallas, Texas, and that's where the issue is. So are you go- you're a, you are going to vote in Dallas or are you going to vote in Texas? I mailed in, I requested and mailed in my absentee ballot to Georgia and it was rejected. Okay, tell us a little bit about that because from what I understand, you did everything that you thought you needed to do. So keep in mind, this is not my first time at the rodeo for absentee ballot um, voting. Mm-hmm. I've been living in Dallas seven years now we have voted in all the previous elections, every single one, um, national, local. We request an absentee ballot. We get it. We send it off. No issue. This year, coincidentally, it's been screwed up from the very beginning. We requested the ballot. The request was lost. We followed that up. The second, ba- the the second request the ballot was sent to a Georgia address this has never happened before it always comes to the Dallas address coincidentally both my daughters are also out of state and also requested to have absentee ballots all four of our ballots were sent to our Georgia home address which is not where it's supposed to go it is supposed to go to the place you request which is where you are and you specify that on the ballot that this you is the address to, they should send it to. You have to give them the, the out-of-state address for the absentee ballot. Okay. Was able to get a family member to find them and mail them to us so we could get them. We mailed them in. Um, the two girls' ballots have been, re- uh, have been received and, and um, accepted. My husband's has been received and accepted, and mine was rejected for administrative purposes. We all did exactly the same thing because we were all doing it simultaneously, separately, you know, but on the phones and Mm -hmm. face and making sure that we were doing, filling out, choosing the same answers and the same voting accordingly and everything, the households, everything together. Coincidentally, you know, they might use the signature thing and say one F wasn't as exactly the same as the previous F and all the others. But really, whose signature is always just exactly, identically, exactly the same? Well, so I, don't I don't even know what... what I don't know what administrative excuse they're going to use, but that's the only thing I could see them trying to say. Now, so are they going to send, or did you request another ballot to reapply, or how does it work? So in Georgia, I have the option. I'm going to call them. I haven't called them yet. I'm going to call them today. I had some other things taken care of. I'm going to call them today, get an exact reason for what the administrative was. And in Georgia, I have the option to go in person and vote, you know, cast a new vote because that one was rejected. So that's what I'm planning to do. So you're going so to fly take, to Georgia I'm just to take vote. Time out of my, yes, 
make a flight to Georgia and get that taken care of. If, if this is voter suppression, if you didn't have the means to get there, exactly. your vote wouldn't count. And exactly. that is that is a definition of voter suppression. Plain and simple. No other way to see it and interpret it. So, I mean, we, we have we, we have a, a whole show today that I, that pretty much has two instances of this. Well, in the case of with Selena, Selena was able to talk about 50 of them being rejected on a daily basis. And, and I decided to share with you because I know you have a platform and I know Selena also gets involved because so many of us are sending it off and not following up, just assuming we did everything correctly. And they're, you know, really maneuvering behind the doors and everything to have this done because they're not notifying you. That and they have ways of notifying you. They right. ask for email addresses, they ask for telephone numbers, and so forth. So they could take it upon themselves to notify you that your um, ballot was rejected, but they're not notifying the constituents that your ballot has been rejected. So, yeah. Well, Amelia Hartley Woodruff, uh, thank you so kindly for talking to us here at Politics Done Right. You're welcome. I'm just glad to get that story out because it needs to be told. I'm here with Selena Winchester. Selena is uh, is somebody working the field in Pennsylvania, and she has a, some information to tell us about our voters in Pennsylvania. Selena, we were talking earlier today. And you told me some issues that's happening in Pennsylvania that you said have always occurred, but it's more important this year. Why don't you tell me a little about absentee ballots and and your cancellation rates, et cetera? Yes, um, this year is the first time that we have had early voting in Pennsylvania. Now our only early voting is not by machine. It's basically an absentee ballot that you get. Um, You can request it in the mail ahead of time and return it either by mail, you can drop it off at the election office or you can put it in one of the drop boxes. Well, what's happening with those um, early voting ballots is people aren't putting them in the secrecy envelope before putting it in the larger envelope and they're being rejected because of that or because they don't have signatures on them, or the signatures don't match the signature on their voter registration card. So they're being rejected. Um, The problem with being rejected is they're they're not notifying the people that they are being rejected. And as it's turning out now, we're finding out is that over the years, people whose um, absentee ballots have been rejected really have never been notified. Wow, that that is that is sad. And so now the thing about it, if they're if if somebody finds out that their ballot is rejected, will they be able to go ahead and make corrections or vote or if if it's rejected, can they vote in person? They're not necessarily notified that it's been rejected. That's the thing. So you can't really go and correct it. Now, um, if that's changing in the next two weeks, I don't know. But as far as I know right now is we had an average of about 50 ballots a day mm-hmm. in our area that's being um, rejected. Now, what and percentage it, it of your count. daily vote does that 50 represent? I actually don't know right now. Um, and it's hard to tell because um, 
a lot of the ballots that are coming in are if if they drop it off in a drop box a lot of our areas don't have drop boxes yet and so they're coming in in different ways the drop box the election office or mail so um overall i don't know um what that what that uh represents but i don't think we can we can afford to lose that many in this district. This is a swing district. That's a lot um, of votes. It's a lot of votes. Um, it's fifth, you know, Northampton Lehigh County is supposedly the the bellwether of the of the election, mm -hmm. you know, nationally, and um, and it being the first um, time that we're doing early voting. It's kind of disheartening to not be able to correct your mail-in ballot um, because one, you know, we have another, a lot of elderly people that live in Pennsylvania and a lot of them live in this region. And so if they're voting by mail for the first time, you know, having to complete those, um, the ballot, and it's a simple ballot, but it's a three-step process. Right, and they do and that on purpose. That is a form of voter suppression that these people use. Now, Selena, I am I'm going to, uh, this is something that I think information has to get out even more so. Now, Biden is flushed with money, more, more money than he can spend, okay? So I hope uh, that the, 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 the politicians in your area are gonna actually solicit what's necessary to, to really, uh, put a fix on that. One of the things that I've found with the Democratic Party too often is that their response is too slow, and by the time they start responding, it's all over. Yeah, I know. Um, they the campaign has started in person canvassing now. Um, that was something that I know a lot of the the people who volunteered years ago wanted to do. Um, so now they're doing what we call lit drops. So they they just go around to different voters and you know drop off literature about the campaign. So that in-person um, contact with voters has started. Uh, but yes, they do have a lot of money. And um, I know there's been a lot of lawsuits, one lawsuit after another, um, mainly to fight voter suppression. And um, the attorney general has been winning these lawsuits. But what happens is if it's a lawsuit basically to prevent um, drop boxes from being uh, established throughout the different municipalities, the Democrats or, you know, they just don't put up the drop box until they get the okay to put up the drop box. While we see what's happening in California, that California, they just went ahead and threw out 52 drop boxes and nobody, you know, and when they said, well, we are going to do something about it, they said to hell with you guys, we're doing it. Yeah. And, and it's unfortunate because, you know, the lawsuits take time. And then by the time the decision comes down, yes, you're allowed to put up the drop boxes. It's two weeks before they can be up and running. And so people either find themselves having to drive miles to, to drop their um, ballots in at the election office or put it in the mail. Well, well, Selena, look, thank you very much for uh, talking to Politics Done Right. I know you're going to continue your work out there in the good old state of PA, which is one of our important states uh, for winning this election. So, muchísimas gracias por estar aquí con nosotros. Muchas gracias. I'm here with uh, Aaron Hurt. Aaron, uh, I think Aaron, uh, first of all, Aaron, welcome to Politics Done Right. Thanks for having me. 
Look, uh, we are excited to talk to you mostly because um, I think you you did some you sent a video to RVAT uh, Republicans voting Republicans Republican voters against Trump. Right, I couldn't remember what the name was exactly. <laughs> now, have you voted Republican all your life? Um, since 2004, I voted for Bush to reelect him, and then I voted McCain and Romney. But then in 16, I did not vote at all. You didn't vote at all. Uh, were you already starting to get very sort of, you know, depressed with the voting system, the electoral system, or what? I couldn't stand either of the candidates. I watched those debates, and then it was just difficult to watch. Okay, so guys, completely completely stayed out now so um what what made you a republican um basically growing in growing up in nebraska we're very conservative conservative state i'm from actually from city of nebraska which is home of cabela's and that's a big gun-toting place so it's just kind of how i grew up just everybody around us was always republican Mm -hmm. Now, I always kind of wondered this, right? Because I have, you know, I just um, wrote a book about talking to your right wing neighbors, friends and families, because, you know, all of us have those different groups generally in our, in, in our families. And I always sat down and wondered, you know, what would, what would be different between, let's say, you and me? What would be things that you like that I don't? Why is it that I, you know that you think that you have to be just Republican or Democrat or, or whatever? <laughs> that I don't know. It's kind of just, we, I was always been told the R was the gold golden standard and the D was bad, but I've kind of. So that is how you actually grew up pretty much hearing that, right? R is good. D is bad. Mm -hmm, pretty much. And it's pretty much a culture. You know, it, it's interesting because that is what I've been talking a lot about. Right? I've been saying, we really need to have people talking among each other because what, what you realize thereafter is like, hmm, you know, I didn't know Aaron actually put on his pants the same way that I did. <laughs> I didn't know Aaron really loved his kids also. I didn't know Aaron wanted all the good things for him. I mean, tell me, what do you want it out of life? Basically, just live the American dream, grow up, be able to support my kids, let them be, make my, make it, make it so my kids have a better life than I actually had. And what do you think that is going to require, Aaron? Um, hard work for one, mm -hmm. um, allowing them to get educated, get every opportunity that I had. If, if not more. What kind of opportunities did you have? Um, I was, my parents were able to afford to let me go to college. That was a big main thing. Um. <laughs> no, but th that is good. I mean, actually, that is good, right? Your, your parents uh, were able to afford to take you to college. Now, you are holding down right now. I asked you earlier on, you're holding down two jobs. So you're working quite a few hours a week, correct? That's correct. I work about 70 hours a week. So 70 hours a week. Yep. And I thought I was the only crazy one around. <laughs> <laughs> but here's why I asked you this, um, uh, Aaron, because a lot of the things that um, people stand for or people think that they, that they want, all the things you just said, you just said, I want to be able to give my kids what my parents afforded me. They, asked, they were able to send you to college. Uh, did your father work 70 hours a week? Um. Maybe that my both my parents were school teachers, right? And my dad also had a part time job as well. On top of that, so right here and there, he probably probably works seventy hours a week with being a teacher and also that probably 
because he grades at home, et cetera, yep. all that yep. sort of thing. The reason I ask you that, right, is that you are, you are so right. You're a hard worker. You're out there. You're beating the pavement. You're saying two jobs. And a lot of times, um, you know, from my perspective, right, um, from I'm a progressive. You are a conservative that's not voting for Trump because of how bad he took things. From my perspective, I see things as like you're a good person that's just working too damn hard to have to take care of a family. And shouldn't we have an economic system that affords you, once you know you are doing a certain amount of work, that you could still have a family life? 80, 70 hours a, a week, don't that take away some time from your two, two girls, two, two kids? Two boys. Two two boys. Bo- uh, doesn't that take a bit of time away from your two boys? Yes, it does. It's definitely hard on them. Okay. Now, uh, it, isn't it then best... And I'm querying you because, I, first of all, I want to thank you for talking to, to me as a, you know, Republican dude that's, you know, throwing Trump over the bus. But um, w- wouldn't you want an economic system where you could work, be fruitful, have your kids going to school uh, that works for you without anybody freeloading off of you? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Because the, the reason I say that, right, is the way that we learn. And I, I love the way you told, you came up earlier and you said, uh, uh, are good, the bad. And the, in the D household, it is the good or bad, mm-hmm. right? In my household, it is, it is issues, issues. I am a, I'm a, I'm a left-wing liberal. I'm going to tell you that. But I love, but I love, I, I, my, I live in, I'm a left-wing liberal that lives in a very conservative state. Not, I'm sorry, not a conservative state, a conservative area in Texas. I'm okay. in Texas, okay? And so it turns out that, in my immediate vicinity, all of my friends are, guess what? They're you. <laughs> right? <laughs> They're all conservatives. And we have fun, right? Uh, we, we, we have fun talking issues. And what it usually turns out to be is that we find out that we don't disagree on a hell of a lot. <laughs> you know? You like your guns. I don't like guns, but I ain't taking your guns away. Yeah, exactly. You see what I'm saying? Now, I don't know, uh, the, 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 there's one, and in the last book, I always talk about one sticky issue. I can't, I can't answer the abortion question, okay? I can't. I am for whatever a woman wants to do with her exactly. body. Oh, you are that way too? Oh, yeah. I am definitely pro-choice. Oh. Yeah. I'm a moderate conservative, but I've been pro-choice my entire life, even though I'm a Republican. Okay. Um, um, so, the, 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 so I, you know, and, and there, ago, there again, I, 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 I want to show if people like yourselves, like you, could actually be uh, flag bearers of doing what is right. And when I say what is right, I mean, uh, here you go. You like guns. I don't like guns. But you and I, I'm not trying to take your guns away, and you're not trying to shoot me. Mm-hmm. What's the problem? <laughs> The well, that's basically the big, the big it's, NRA issue right there on that point. But right, right. And so, what, what I what I would love to see is for people to get off of the attacking or thinking that you are bad, or that I am bad, or that anybody is bad, and that somehow we can come together and and do that. Now, what you did, believe it or not, you were uh, coming on on my progressive show. What you, and I, by the way, I have a lot of conservative listeners as well. What you do by being who you are is giving people permission to be like you. Nobody's asking you not to be a Republican because that's who you are culturally. 
<laughs> right? That's yep. who you are culturally. What they're asking you to do is to vote in your interest. The, the reason I'm saying that, Aaron, is um, uh, we're talking about your 70 hours a week that you work. Um, if, if, if your kids could have childcare that's taken care of, that um, maybe if your your I don't know if your wife is a teacher as well or not. Actually, my wife is a stay-at-home mom. Right. If, if let, let's say she wanted to do something other than stay home. Let's say she wanted to have a part-time job, etc. And there were services that, as a society, we said we want to have childcare involved. Is that something that you would be against? No, because uh, honestly, she wants to work, but we have, since I work so much, she can't afford to do it. So we. So our economic system is holding you back. Mm-hmm, exactly. Uh, uh, you know, and those are the kinds of things that, I'm, that I talk about. Do you know that we're in a pandemic right now? But um, n- Never heard of it. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> but we're in a pandemic right now. And you're still working 70 hours a week. You are still uh, putting yourself at risk, I, I, I imagine. Yeah, I, well, I, my... Full-time job, I work from home, but the, my part-time job is essential work. So, yes. A, my, yeah. so you're, you're, you're an essential worker. Now, earlier on, we had thing like, things like a stimulus that was given that a lot of people talk about. We don't have enough money for a stimulus, right? And I look at you, and I say, you are doing fine working 70 hours a week, but in, your, in that job that you are doing where you are a, an essential worker, Oh, shouldn't you really be getting some sort of a stimulus for those of us who don't have to do that as keeping society going? It'd be nice. But, what, but, but don't, don't you see that we should have a requirement? And you can disagree with me if you want, but don't you think that we owe those people who we are asking to go out there and put themselves on the line a little something for that risk? Well, at my essential job, I actually do make two bucks more an hour for being an essential worker, which is nice. And Your company did that for you. Yeah, yeah. And it'd be nice if probably everybody else who's out there risking their lives would be paid a little bit more just to be out there. I agree with that. You know, so those are, those are the issues, and I think progressives like myself believe in, right? And the thing about it is uh, there's a tendency to say things like, well, the money isn't there. And then I asked the question, how did Jeff Bezos, during the pandemic, able to go from $120 billion to $170 billion in worth? To which I also asked, if we were deficit spending, how did we afford given all those tax cuts that we've just given to all these people while we have a lot of people suffering in West Virginia, in Nebraska, in all these other places? Those, those are the things that I question. And in talking to people like yourselves who are gen- generally support Republicans, who generally support those policies, my question is, um, good and bad, why do you do it? Like, like I said, it's a lot of people just grew up seeing the R, and I've kind of opened my eyes. I've moved to Omaha, which is now a purple, is very purple. Yeah. And luckily, Nebraska, we split our split electoral your votes. electoral votes, yeah. And we're it's a top toss up. So hopefully, we can get Biden steal steal one here in Nebraska. But right. Uh, let me ask you another question because you know if I go ahead and I spoke to most Republicans in your state, 
uh, more than likely I would be kind of just shoot off for two reasons. One mm -hmm. is there's their preconceived notions that let's say a black person uh, is looking for a handout. I'm, I'm not, I'm just saying that there is that sort of a stigma. Up, yeah. Uh, you know, I don't, this is politics done right. We speak straight up. So you can say anything on my nope, show. I completely agree. You, you would be looked down upon if you were looking for a handout, especially being black. Exactly. If I come and I say, I'm a progressive and we need to increase taxes on people who make over $400,000. They'll say, oh, you're just a black dude looking for a handout. But a white guy, who was a former Republican, or I don't know if you're still a Republican, maybe. No. Okay. I'm registered, but not a Republican. <laughs> I am putting, I'm pushing policies that most of them would be considered progressives. And most of the people in your state would look at these policies and say, oh, you're just a pinko liberal. And above that, I have another strike in many areas in this country as a black person uh, saying that we need to increase taxes. The, the first thing they're going to connotate that to be is somebody looking for a handout. But if it is somebody like you, a white guy who was formerly a Republican, who was on the inside in, on, on what is Republican, before having to overcome what I would have to overcome to get people to listen to me behind my having been a progressive, behind my being a black person, don't you think you'd have uh, some power there? Oh, we definitely have a little bit more power, <laughs> sadly. Um... Right now, my congressman Don Bacon. Don Bacon. He's definitely he was a hell yes to to the getting rid of the ACA. Right. And it'd be nice if his opponent is. She's kind of really far left, and it's going to be a tough road for her. But it'd be nice to get her in there just to sway the things in Nebraska for us a little bit. Well, um, what I what I want to tell you, Aaron, is first of all, it takes a lot of courage to be doing what you're doing. It took a lot of courage to make that video that you made, and I'm going to play it um, along with this uh, this when we when we play this show. Um, but I also want to urge you and encourage you, um, just like you made that step to go uh, and speak to those to that group, that you can really make a difference. Uh, first of all, as young as you are and where you are, for people to listen to, because people will listen to um, you know we'll listen to what you have to say. I appreciate you talking to me, Aaron, and uh, you keep up the good work and get some rest. 70 hours is a lot of time. Um, this is talking from somebody who works 16 hours a day. So nice. thank you so kindly for your interview, you. sir. I hope you enjoyed that. Um, remember, we are in fun drive mode and we'd like for you to give us a call at 713-526-5738. Again, that number is 713-526-5738. And, and become a member. Uh, membership is very inexpensive. Or, you know, ask them for whatever. Hey, what do you have available for us? 713-526-5738. And don't forget to go to, or go to kpft.org, kpft.org. You can also subscribe there. You can also provide us with a contribution there. You can also become a part of the family. You've been listening to us for a very long time. I know you love what we do. Let's, let's give us the ability to continue doing this now. Give us the ability to continue doing this in a better manner, a better fashion, so that we can be one of the solutions that you're looking for. Let's go to the next, uh, uh, the next interview, and then we'll be right back.
We are with Bernard Sampson. He's a National Committee member and Harris County Chair of the Communist Party USA. Bernard, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic, and thank you for asking. I hope well, you're doing well as well. Well, I'm, I am doing fine. Communist Party, Communist Party. In America, people are supposed to fear you. Anything that has the word communist or anything that has the word socialist, you're a scary person. Are you a scary person, Bernard? Oh, I don't think so. Maybe to fascist, maybe to people like Trump, maybe to the far right. Yeah, because maybe I mean, America. the reason I wanted to have you on is that I've been watching, um, you know, I, I watch a lot of what recently, it's mostly online, but watching what a lot of people are doing online. And with all these things that are happening, I've, I've seen a whole lot of groups getting together and getting a whole lot of stuff done. And what I, I mean, I've seen people that identify themselves as communists, people that identify themselves as democratic socialists, people that identify themselves as socialists, and people that identify themselves as Democrats, and some, some crazy Republicans, because there are a couple of crazy Republicans that come to DSA. And, you know, isn't this what America should really be? Where everybody with their ideologies can somehow merge together? Well, I don't know. I, I think that on the left and the progressive movement at this stage in history of struggle against capitalism, we need to have broader unity, there's no doubt. But I don't think there's a place for the far right and for fascists in this. Oh, yeah. Well, when, when I, you know, I, I don't think fascist is a natural thing. In other words, uh, I, just like I don't think a lot of bad things come naturally. You know, it, it's always interesting to me, right? Because you remember uh, Gecko on that movie. I don't know if you saw that movie called Wall Street. Gordon Gecko from Wall Street. A while back I saw it. Right. In, in that movie, Gecko says, um, greed is good. Every, and, you know, and capitalism is based on that tenet that greed is good. And I've always sat down and wondered, Bernard, if, if uh, folks are so greedy, how comes there are just a few people at the top? Wouldn't everybody that's greedy be trying to take everything? There's an old joke. There's uh, two workers in front of a factory in, in England, and the boss drives in on a Rolls Royce. And one worker looks at the other and says, one day we're going to take that from him. Then in the United States, there's two workers in front of a factory. The boss drives in on a Cadillac. One worker looks at the other and says, one day I'm going to have one too. That's the difference in psychology here in the United States compared to most of the world to some degree. Well, that's Actually, I, I, think, I think it's true. Unfortunately, I was talking to um, Eleanor Goldfield. She is a real strong activist out there and a filmmaker in Washington, D.C. And she said she's originally from Sweden. And she said, unfortunately, that right-wing cancer is starting to uh, spread to places like Sweden, which had very uh, fairly good uh, social safety nets for their people, etc. What's your thought about uh, the directionality that we have today? Are we, are we surging left or are we surging right? Well, there's a huge people's movement, and we saw it in the demonstrations against police brutality around George Floyd and, and, and Brianna and others. And uh, we also have uh, a movement that's uh, put going together of the right wing, of the far right, the militias and the et cetera, uh, the people around Trump. So we have this polarization that's happening in the country. And what is this fight over? 
you know, people say, well, it's a Democrat versus Republican. Then why are some Republicans supporting the Democrats against, against uh, Trump? And what I think it is, is there's a crisis uh, in the United States. There's a, 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 a crisis in neoliberalism. And what's happened is Trump has come forward and he grabbed, I guess, 33% of the population uh, and, uh, that Ted Cruz had. And, uh, you know, he took it from them. And uh, he's, he's built a base around that. And what they're saying is they're saying, we no longer need capitalist democracy, the democracy that we have now, which by the way, as a communist, I don't believe the working class had. I don't believe people of color have ever had it. I think that what we have is democracy is for the rich, for the 1% is who democracy is for. They have CNN, they have Fox News, they have their debates. Bernard, I want, because of, specifically because you are labeled a communist, I want to qualify something that you just said, because I think it needs better expansion, but otherwise it will be misinterpreted. You said uh, democracy is for that top 1%. Uh, I think what you're really meaning is democracy should be for us all, but in America, the only people that are living under a democracy are the ones at the top. Did I understand you right? That is not? correct. That is, I was going to get to that. You're totally correct. Um, the reason, so. But the reason, I, the reason I said that is because I don't know, maybe I heard wrong, but it was sounding like uh, there's democracy. And then in your parlance, there, there's communism that doesn't believe in democracy. And I think if I understand your form of communism, what that is, is pure democracy. Yes. Well, people misunderstand as a Marxist, democracy is a form of the state. And in the world today, you have two types of states. You have capitalist states and you have socialist states. And then you have some states like Venezuela that are going from one to the other, they're transitioning, and it hasn't been decided who's actually going to win which class. And so you have democracy in both, and you have other forms in both types of systems. They can vary from country to country. Our democracy is not the same as the democracy in Germany or England or in the Philippines or Mexico, but they're all capitalist states. And, the, and democracy in China is not the same as it is, say, in Cuba, but they're both socialist states. So the state, what is the state? The state are armed bodies of men and women. It's a tool of oppression used by one state or used by one class to suppress another. Under socialism, the state apparatus, the police, the courts and everything are used to suppress the capitalist class. It's not till you have a communist system, which we won't live to see, where the state itself disappears and people can actually be free. And people uh, misunderstand these things. And most people think that the state is neutral. All you have to do is win the election and the working class can then take control and then can run things. But the state has never been neutral. The state at one time never existed. And then it existed to justify inequality and some people having more than others. That's why they needed courts, religion, and armed bodies of men and women so that a few people could keep what was produced. It's only under socialism that that begins to go away. But even that takes uh, a long, long time. So the state is a necessary evil that we have under socialism and under capitalism. It's a necessary, uh, it's necessary for one class to stay in, in power. So that's a, that's a basic belief of communists, that the state is not neutral. It's a tool of oppression. But the form of state can be different. 
in the United States, bourgeois democracy, capitalist democracy, has been the best form for them to rule. But now there's an argument over it. And Trump is saying, we're going to take away bourgeois democracy. Now, do the working class, does the working class have democracy? No. The civil rights movement, every, the right to form unions was never done through the vote. It was done through the struggle. Thousands of people dying, being lynched, going to prison, and being beaten. Every, every democratic right the working class has made has been through struggle and through the use of violence against us. And we force them to give it to us. And then in the next election, or two elections down, they take it away, just like they're going to do it with the Supreme Court now, against women, against people of color, and against the working class in general. And so this is why I say that the democracy is for the rich. They have total democratic rights. But Trump is saying, we don't need those anymore. We can't afford them anymore. What we have to do is we have to get rid of capitalist democracy. Now, is there a stake for the working class in capitalist democracy and keeping it going? A hundred percent, because it gives us a place where we can struggle and force our class enemies to give us some rights so that we can march, so that we can organize, so that we can fight back and lessen the iron fist that falls on us from the working, from the, uh, from the capitalist class. So yes, we have a stake, but it's not the same democracy that would exist under socialism once the working class takes power. Imagine, instead of the police going through the Third Ward, they're going through River Oaks. That would be the difference, and it would be a different police force. So this is the big fight right now, and this is why some Republicans are joining with the Democratic Party to stop Trump because they don't wanna get rid of their democracy. You know, we say, we're the people that run this country. We're not gonna let you decide that we can't do it. We can decide that the working class can't have it, but you can't tell us. Who do you think you are? So this is what this fight is over. And this is why it's important in what we call a popular front, where the left organizes with a sector of the capitalist class against the far right, against fascism. It's, it, our lives are at stake. Everything is at stake in this election. This is the most important election since the Civil War. And it's the closest we've come to Civil War since 1861. So you're saying that this alliance that you have with all the different form, all people of many different left ideologies coming together to take out the right, that is, that is actually existential. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, you know, they, the, how does 1% rule over 99%? They split people through forms of racism, homophobia, sexism, etc. And they have us fighting among ourselves. But we also need to take advantage of differences among the ruling class, among our class enemies. And so when certain capitalists go with Biden and others go with Trump, we need to unite with those people because we're not strong enough on our own. The left, the working class is not strong enough to take power on its own. If it was, there would be a working class third party that would be strong enough to do it. And, and there's not. they sure have uh, everything is rigged against that third party. Okay, let, let for the person who is going to look at you and say, okay, you represent the Communist Party. Uh, let's look for examples. Let's look at Russia. Let's look at Cuba. Let's look at these places where communism seemed to have failed. Uh, what's the answer that you give them? If that is that that those that's not really the definition of communism. That was a, just simply an aberration, or what? 
<laughs> well, the first thing I'd look at is the United States. If you want to see how capitalism has failed, you're looking at it living through it right now. As far as Cuba is concerned, you know, it's 90 miles off our, our coast, and there's been a U.S. embargo on Cuba since its existence. And yet, it's given free housing to trans members, it's, uh, to trans people. It's given free health care, free education. They export doctors all around the world. And their standard of living could be higher if we lifted that blockade against them. And so I'd say Cuba is a great success. And let's not compare Cuba to the United States. Let's compare Cuba to Ecuador, to Salvador, et cetera, where there's death squads, where there's squalor, where people have to flee and come here to even live. So I would say Cuba is a great example considering the conditions. As far as the Soviet Union was concerned, I lived there for a year in 1981. And I can tell you that after the Soviet Union fell, and this was a coup, this was a coup from inside, that after the Soviet Union fell, every, every single poll showed the majority of the people wanting the Soviet Union back. And in the first elections that Yeltsin ran, the Communist Party defeated him, but those elections were stolen. So yes, there's mistakes that are made under socialism, there's no doubt. There's mistakes made because people are people, and we make Wait, mistakes. Wait, uh, do you call, do you call um, Russia socialists or communists, and, and likewise today? Cuba? Today? Yeah. Uh, today no, no, Russia, no, not today. The Russia of 81. Oh, of course. It was a socialist state. Cuba's a socialist state as well. So what would be the difference if they were, you call them socialists and not communists? No, no, there are no communist states. There cannot be one. You see, the Because it's, there's a state. Yes, excellent, that's exactly correct. Communism is the elimination of the state. It's a much higher degree, and you can't have that as long as there's capitalism in the world because there's a threat, an external threat, as well as an internal threat, so you still need the state for suppression. So you actually share something in common with libertarians as far as wanting to be as stateless as possible, am I right? <laughs> well, that's, a, that's an interesting way to put it. Well, I, I mean, uh, actually, that's, they claim they want the government out and they, they, they want laissez-faire, whatever. It almost sounds like, uh, you know. It's not the same thing. Libertarians. Want oh, I know. I'm, I am playing devil's advocate here. Oh, oh, yes. No, no, it's not the same. I thing. understand the concepts. I just have to play the devil's advocate. No, I totally understand. Well, you know, what do humans want throughout society? What people want is freedom. That's what they want. And freedom is, what is freedom? It's where you're not compelled to have to do things. Under capitalism and under socialism, you still have to go to work, you still have to obey laws, et cetera. And so compulsion is still part of life. So you, you can't be free. That's the real definition of freedom. And, uh, and freedom won't exist until communism and the state, the tool of oppression disappears. The question is, who's oppressing who? When the 99% are oppressing the 1% and they're doing that to stop them from coming back into power, that's democratic. Because 99% are running the country for the first time. That's never happened in history except briefly in some of the socialist states and in the Paris Commune. Now, the, the, I, I, there, there are concepts and then there's reality. All right, so let's build a city. Let's build a city. How do we build a city under the purity of communism as you see it? Well, I, I, I can't really say about that on communism because it's hundreds of years in the future. We, we only know basics, some certain basic things. I know, but, but, but still, uh, it's a I concept that you socialism. understand. I could say under socialism because it's been done. 
I mean, Brasilia, the capital of Brazil, mm -hmm. most of that city was designed by a Brazilian communist, the architecture, everything. And in the Soviet Union, cities were built from scratch uh, under socialism. And what do these buildings have? When I lived there, if you were a worker, you generally lived across the street from the factory you worked at. And the apartment complex would have a free daycare for your children so your wife could work as well. And uh, the rent was maybe 3% of your income. What's the percentage of your income you pay now here in the United States for your rent? There was about 3%. Plus, you couldn't even be expelled from your house if you didn't pay the rent. It would take it up at your local union and try to shame you. Only if you were a traitor or something like that could you actually be expelled because their constitution, it's a human right to have a home. It's a human right to have health care. It's a human right to have a job. It's a human right to have a free education. Now, um, what I was really trying to get at is where we talk about um, having controls, right? Mm -hmm. uh, we, can be we can independently build a skyscraper. We can independently do those things. How do we build the roads and so forth in that, in that stateless state? Well, again, under communism, I don't know. You have to understand that even socialism inherits everything that capitalism had, and it has to begin to solve it. I like to say that, uh, that bourgeois rights like that we called for in the Bill of Rights and in the Constitution doesn't really exist for the vast majority of the population. Under socialism, bourgeois rights will now be recognized and enforced by law. And uh, under communism, uh, it, it, you, you just can't say. I mean, communism is something in the future that, that won't come into existence until there's enough produced and the distribution is democratic to where everybody can have stuff and there's no shortages. I mean, right now, cap, under capitalism, because of the advance in technology under capitalism, we're able to actually create enough food to feed everyone in the world. So why do people starve? Because of the system of capitalism, because there's not a profit in the distribution. You see, we eliminate that. The, the, so capitalism sits up the basis through its techniques and its, its amount of production to give enough to where there is no scarcity under socialism. Okay, Bernard, we're going to be wrapping up in a little bit, but I want to get some um, clarification here. You're the chair nationally of the Communist Party United States, not, not the Socialist Party USA. No. Tell me what it is, what is it that, being, that, that having a distinct, a distinct party, not necessarily a party, but an organization, labeling itself communist as opposed to some merge with a, an organization that's labeling themselves socialist? Well, we're proud to be communists and we're proud of the role that communists have played in history and fighting against capitalism. I don't think there's any organization that has done what we've done, has given up the lives, people gone to prison from China to South America. Uh, no one has done as much as us. We're a Marxist-Leninist party. We're for socialism. We're uh, at a stage right now where we're not able to achieve it, but the party is growing under Trump. You know, we're right now the largest actual party, left party in the United States, because DSA is not actually a party. Uh, we're between nine and 10,000 members, and we're growing. Here in Texas, we have over 1,100 members, and we're growing everywhere. And 
The Communist Party is unique. It's different from DSA, from the Socialist Party, from the Revolutionary Communist Party, or Socialist Alternative, and that we work in the mass movements. And when I say we work in the mass movements, it doesn't mean we go to a demonstration and support. What it means is we are part of those organizations that do the demonstrations. We belong to within the trade union movement and within the civil rights movement. Plus, unlike any other left party, we're the most diverse party. Here in Houston, a third of our membership are people of color. Uh, actually, closer to two thirds. On the exec, I'm the only white person on the exec in the Communist Party here in Houston. And that's how it should be. And that's because you have to organize the people that are the most oppressed under capitalism. It's very important. And you know, right now we have one goal and that's to defeat Trump. There's nothing more important in the next 30 days than stopping fascism from coming to the United States. And I'm not for voting for a third party or sitting out the election. To me, that does not help defeat Trump. You know, if you want to vote your conscience, wait till there's a less important uh, election, in my own personal opinion. Let's unite. Let's work with Democrats. Let's work with anybody that's opposing Trump at this election. Because at this stage, if Trump wins, what does it mean for the trade union movement? What does it mean for civil rights? You know, if you want to see how bad things can get, you know, go back to the South if you're a black person in the, in the 30s and 40s. That's what it's going to be like for everyone, everyone, white, black, and Hispanic, if Trump wins. And nobody should kid themselves. This is not the same as electing, fighting against Reagan. It's not the same as fighting against Bush. And yes, I don't think that, uh, you know, there's anything perfect about Biden, but he beat Bernie Sanders. It doesn't matter how he did it. It's a fact. Biden is the only person that can defeat. And he's the tool we've been given by the DNC. Thank you, DNC. But he's the tool we've been given to stop fascism. So it's not up to Biden. It's up to us, up to the people. It's not up to the Democratic Party. It's up to the masses, to the trade unionists, to the civil rights workers, to go out there, to register to vote and get out there and vote. But not just vote, but to also organize in the streets and in your unions and your mass organizations. And when we get Biden elected, the struggle doesn't stop. But the question is, who would you rather oppose in the next four years, Biden or Trump? You may not even be able to physically stop and, and organize against Trump if he wins. It could be the last election in US history. This is very important and people should, should understand that everyone needs to organize and, and win this election. Bernard Sampson, uh, as a Bernie Democrat, uh, you are a friend uh, I'm talking politically now. You're a friend, not political as well. Uh, but I, I, I tell you, every, every Bernie Democrat, every DNC Democrat, every type of Democrat uh, should be uh, honored to have you as a friend because you do hard work in the community. You put yourself all over this community, and I have seen the work that you've done. Uh, so keep up the good work. It's been my pleasure to have you on Politics and Right. Bernard Sampson, National Committee member and Harris Count, County Chair of Communist Party USA. And Egberto, I read your book. It's fantastic. I recommend everybody watching this read your book. It's a fantastic book. Thank you so kindly, brother. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that, folks, folks, folks. Remember, we are in fun drive mode. And notice how I've arranged the program unlike the others. We don't 
we didn't give you a whole lot of interruptions. We wanted to make sure that you got a fulfilling program. At the same time, we make you aware that we are in fun drive mode. So please give us a call. Again, that number is 713-526-5738. If you go to kpft.org, click that donate button. Let them know that you're contributing in the name of Politics Done Right. You, you hear our interviews. We make sure to keep it both on a local uh, scope and a national scope so that you have a full, well-rounded interpretation of the news and how the news affects you. That number is 713-526-5738. And please remember, you can also go to kpft.org. Again, that is kpft.org. Click that donate button and remember to say this is uh, your contributing of <laughs> in the honor of politics done right. 713-526-5738 or go to kpft.org and hit that donate button. Well, folks, it's time for me to get out of here. My name is Egberto Willis and you know how I end this, baby. I am what? Out! Welcome to Politics Done Right. I am your host, Egberto Willis. This is a progressive program that will take the mystery out of politics. This is the program that will encourage you to make sure government becomes we the people. Whether you are liberal, progressive, conservative, or otherwise, you get to hear your point of view. We are an independent media outlet that, unlike mainstream media beholden to corporations, we only owe allegiance to you. Remember, you can also send me a tweet at E-G-B-E-R-T-O-W-I-L-L-I-E-S. That is at Egberto Willis. Let us engage. It is politics done right. <laughs>